Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 9, says this. As for you, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He's writing this letter to, to the church in Ephesus. And he says this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God who is poor in mercy, poor in mercy, rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. It is by grace you have been saved. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Come on, let's pray. Father, we're grateful, we're thankful for today. Thank you for this moment. Lord, we're not here for a TED Talk or just some opinion, but we're here for your word. God, that is life-changing, that is transforming. And so, God, I pray over these next few moments, God, that whatever we've come in with, whatever distractions exist, uh, Lord, we just pray for just a focus uh, to your voice. Spirit, move. We need you. Uh, God, we thank you for your presence. We don't have to ask for you to be here. Your omnipresence, was, which means you're here. But Lord, uh, help us to be aware of your presence and what you're doing and saying in this moment through your word. And so, Lord, as servants, we say this. Speak, Lord, because we're listening. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Come on, come on. Everybody said. Amen, amen. You may be seated. So, family, we have uh, three kids, and two are in school, and one, the youngest, you know, is in daycare. And daycare is interesting. There's all kinds of stories you get, you know, when you pick them up. And just a couple weeks ago, picked up our youngest, picked her up from daycare, and when we're walking out of, out of the facility, I noticed she had kind of a look on her face. I was like, Zoe, what's wrong, girl? I won't say the kid's name. I'll just make it up. She's like, Jane said she didn't want to be my friend. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah, we was playing, and she said she didn't want to be my friend. Now, inside, I'm like, you don't need that little girl anyway. <laughs> But I said, you know, it's okay, Zoe. You know, sometimes there are people we'll build friendships with, and sometimes there are others, you know, that we won't, and that's okay. And so she's like, okay, just like a kid, she forgot about it, and was like, I need a song. And so I put on her song. You know, this girl's still making me listen to Christmas music. Like, Lord Jesus, I don't want to hear this anymore. But I love it, but come on. So then... <laughs> So then the next day, I uh, pick her up, and it's a whole different thing. She's like, yeah, 
Me and Jane, we're friends. We played today. Now, inside, I was like, I told you, you don't need that little girl. What you playing with her? She didn't understand the value of what it means to know you. <laughs> friends. It's an interesting, you know, we just finished this collection together. We're talking about friendship in week one. And it's interesting because here we're starting this collection called Friend of Sinners. And when you think about that, it's a phrase that, you know, especially in the church world or growing up in church and whatever mindset you have, it's almost like you want this disassociation. You don't really want to be connected to a term friend of sinners. But that term itself uh, refers to its pointing to Jesus. And uh, in Scripture, we see it in Luke chapter 7, verse 34, where it says this, The Son of Man, talking about Jesus, came eating and drinking, and you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So this is, you know, Jesus talking about himself here. With him, with Jesus, he was countercultural. He didn't do things according to the culture that he was speaking into. So the way he moved was not the way that those who would be or perceive themselves as holy would move. The way Jesus responded was not the way that those who perceived themselves or who were thought to be holy would respond. So in Judaism, there are several different sects of it, different beliefs and, and, and different ideologies. So uh, you have, you know, the Zealots and the Sadducees and you have the, the Pharisees and there are many others. But throughout scripture, the group that Jesus speaks to the most and, and, and spends a lot of time really straightening them out is this group called the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees, they had, this, they had a desire, right? They, they wanted to handle the law correctly, but oftentimes you see throughout the gospel, Jesus was always correcting their ways because they had the letter of the law, but they lacked the heart of the law. The Pharisees, they were steeped in religion. And for them, if you didn't look the part, well, then they had issues with you. In fact, the Pharisees would not even allow themselves to associate with those who didn't look the part. Well, that's an issue because here comes Jesus. And he's eating and he's drinking. And so they're like, you must be a glutton. You must be a drunk. Look at him sitting with the tax collectors and sinners as if he is their friend. Now, family, I think as much as we'd say, okay, I won't throw you in there, as much as I like to say that I would be like Jesus, like, yeah, I'm a friend of sinners. Can I tell you, I think we have a little Pharisee in us. Can I tell you, I think we might have been the one saying, look at this guy, this friend of sinners, that we have some double standards about us. We have some things that we'll turn a blind eye to when it's someone else, but not when it's us. Because, see, we have our issues ourselves. But have you noticed this? Well, maybe, maybe we haven't. That somehow our issues are not quite as bad as the issues of others. All right, let me try this out over here. <laughs> have you noticed that sometimes our issues are not as bad as the issues of others? In other words... My sin, no big deal. I got an excuse for it. Your sin, you're going to hell. <laughs> Have you noticed that? 
that it's easy for us to dismiss our sin and dismiss our issues, but for everyone else, they must be held accountable. You say, well, how do you know this to be true? Well, probably because for most of us in the room, when we heard the name of this collection, Friend of Sinners, what did we start to do? Immediately thinking about all the sinners we know. Oh, yeah, he be sinning. Oh, girl, yeah, she, she backsliding. She ain't been in the house of the Lord this year. Something wrong with her. Right? We started thinking of everyone else except of ourselves, about ourselves. But can I tell you, family, that Jesus, being a friend of sinners, means that he is a friend of us, that he's our friend, and we are the sinners in the room, that we are the ones who miss it in the room. In fact, you say, well, what is sin? That's exactly what it is. It, it, it's an archery term that simply means we miss the mark, to miss the mark. We miss the mark of living a God-honoring life, of living at this level that God has called us to live to uh, through Jesus. But even with all of that, here's what Jesus says. I'll be your friend. And so this collection, Friend of Sinners, this is not about friends of the ones who sin, but this is a, about Jesus being a friend of us. Now, for the pushback in the room, nah, because I got up this morning, I prayed, I had my devotion, I fast every week, I'm good. Well, we may have skipped Romans 3, verse 23, that says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Of God. But I get this, this could be confusing because you said, well, I've said yes to Jesus. I put my faith in him, so I'm saved. Well, we got to understand this. So with salvation, we are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved because Jesus hasn't come yet. And so we are saved the moment that we put our faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. We are being saved, which is sanctification that we work out. And then we will be saved when Jesus returns for, for well, if we're here like today and, and all who have already passed on, that's, that's the final of we will be saved. So it, it's a process of happening. But until that moment, we sin, Right? We lie a little bit. We manipulate a little bit. We cheat on that, that, that um, um, what's the thing? The hours at work. <laughs> Time card. I mean, they not going to miss that hour. It's a holiday. I'm going to give myself 59 minutes, you know. I know it. You know, I knew that. I know it. <laughs> so we miss it. We miss it. So we, we, it says all have sinned. We fall short of the glory of God. And we got to know this family. We have not gotten to where we are because of ourselves, but rather it's only been by the love of God and him sending Jesus to die for the sins of the world. And that's why we are here today to live in this victory, this victory that Jesus has won. Not a victory that we've won, 
but we live through the victory of him. And because he lived, we share in that victory when we put our faith in him. But in and of ourselves, listen, we are a mess. We are sinners. We miss it. We get it wrong. You know, in school, you have lunch tables, right? I'm just thinking back to my time in school. You got the lunch tables and the lunch tables where everything went down. Like, that's, that's where it happens. There's some things you still can't speak about today that transpire at the lunch table, right? But with the lunch table, you couldn't just sit at any table. Room had to be made for you to sit at certain tables. Like, you try to sit at that table if you want to, and they're going to help you find another seat. You had to be invited. Can I tell you, what has brought us to the table of Jesus is grace, what has brought us to a place that we did not deserve, that we couldn't get to ourselves, has been grace, this invitation of Jesus. Let's look at it in the temple. So in the temple, the most holy places where the presence of God resided, but only the high priest could enter the holy room, and he could only do it once a year on the Day of Atonement when he would go make a sacrifice for the sins of people. But when Jesus died, The veil was torn. What separated God from man, it was split. And now we can come boldly to the throne of grace. So that's why. So I get it and I understand. I understand. But that's why it doesn't have to be the pastor who prays for you. It doesn't have to be the pastor to come see you. Just because the pastor said it doesn't mean that it's got that much more anointing on it. We don't need the priest to make an atonement. No, Jesus has done that. And because of what he's done, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Come on. That's a good place to clap right there. Because what separated us no longer separated us from God because of Jesus. Somebody's calling me. Who is calling me right now? That would be, if I knew it, I would answer and be like, you know where I am on Sundays. But it's grace that has made a way. You say, okay, what's grace? What's grace? Okay, good question. So grace is God's unmerited favor, meaning it's unearned and it's undeserved. So we can't, we can't do anything to deserve this. Like a favor, for, it's a favor. I'm going to do you a favor. It's not nothing you got to return. It's a favor. Unearned and undeserved, meaning no matter what you do or what you haven't done, doesn't mean that you can qualify for this. It's unearned and it's undeserved. And this is why I think this collection is important. Because, yes, it's Eastern. We're saying, hey, invite people, invite family, invite friends and all that. And can I tell you, we're not trying to fill up a room because we could say don't invite anyone. It's Easter. People are going to come simply because it's Easter. It's not about that. But, it's, but before that happens, we got to make sure we understand what are we inviting them into? To have the right theology and understand grace and what it has done for us so that we can properly share that same hope and victory to others. So it's not just, hey, come and be invited and, and sit in this space together, then go home back to the same. But no, for me to be able to communicate the grace that has changed my life, the grace that has uh, allowed me to be saved. So that's what this collection is about, is making sure we understand exactly 
what is available to us, this free gift called grace, free gift called grace, which leads me to the title of this message today, You Can't Pay For This. Come on, tell your neighbor you can't pay for this. You can't pay for this. It's free. So let's make some observations about grace so we can understand why it's important. Here's the first observation is this. We are saved by grace. We are saved by grace. How many times have you heard, you know, people say, you may have even said it yourself. Well, when I clean myself up, I'll come to church. When I get myself together, I'll I'll, I'll show up. Man, if I walk through the doors of the church, that whole thing will burn down. (laughs) Right? You ever heard anyone say that? And can I tell you, this statement, it's just, no, it's not true. You don't, you, you don't, there's no, ex, I was going to say there's no expectation for you cleaning yourself up, but you, we can't. And it's not required. It's not necessary. Look at Ephesians 2.8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It doesn't say it is based on the ability of you to clean yourself up before you come to Jesus that you have been saved. It is not based on how many scriptures you have memorized, how often you fast, how much you pray, the way you serve, how you show up, how you give that determines if you've been saved. It says, for it is by grace. What? Grace is unmerited favor, and we know this, you can't pay for it. It's what Jesus has freely given. So it's us receiving what he has freely given, what God has freely given and expressed through Jesus that we are saved. It's not in our works. Because if it was based on our works, then Jesus doesn't save, we do. So it's not based on our works, but it is this free gift of grace. But can I tell you, I understand where that mindset comes from. Because when you look at other forms of religion, it's, it's about what man has to do to get to God. All the different things I got to do to set uh, the moment and the atmosphere and everything together and all what I got to do, make sure I do this every day and that every day and make sure I do it in this direction or that direction in order to get to God. But Christianity is not about what man has to do to get to God. Christianity is about what God did to get to man when there was no other way to restore the relationship that was lost in the garden. Here's what God did. He looked across the landscape of eternity. And he said, Jesus, go and bring freedom, bring healing, bring deliverance through the expression of my grace. That's why Jesus is the only way. There's no other way, family. So just come as you are. It, It shouldn't be looked at as a catchphrase, but it should be looked at as reality. He's just saying, come to me. In fact, Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he says, come to me, all who are heavy, who are burdened. You feel weighty. You feel all the pressures of the world, all this weight on your shoulders. Well, come to me and receive rest. What is that? That's an invitation to him. It's an invitation to grace. So stop trying to do it yourself. Stop trying to figure it out on your own when you don't have to. He just says, come to me and receive what only I can do. The world can't give you grace. The world can't give you freedom. The world can't give you the healing that you need. You may find the high, but once you get it, you'll keep trying to find the next one, and the world can't supply it. The only supply you need comes from Jesus, and it is his grace. It never runs out. It's his grace 
and mercy. And it's only through him that we can receive it. It's not our works. It's not based on what we can do. He is the way. And what Jesus has done, 2 Corinthians 5.21, says this. He, God made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us. So, here it is. He took our place. So, we see on the cross what Jesus said. Watch out, bro. And he stepped in and he took our place. He died the death that we didn't have to die. So people say, YOLO, you only live once. I said, no, nah, that's wrong, bro. We live forever. Because this space is just a transition to eternity with the Father. And so there is no dying because we, Jesus has done that. He died for us for the sins of the world. So he took our place. So it's not living, living once. We live forever in him. It's just a different expression, a better expression. The, the relationship that we were always meant and intended uh, to live from the very beginning. So the one who knew no sin, he became sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So in other words, he became so you and I could become. Because we didn't have what it takes to be in right standing with God. And the Old Testament makes it very clear for us. Because what do we see in the Old Testament? We see, we talked about it before, I believe in, back in January in, in, in So Good. But the sin deliverance cycle, right? So it's where the, the children of God, they serve God, they live for him. Then this decline starts to happen. And it really is something we still see today expressed differently just in our individual walk with the Lord. But we'll be serving him. We'll be on this high. We'll be, we'll be going at it. And then all of a sudden, different things start to creep in. So then it's Jesus and He's not enough anymore. It's Jesus and a little bit of this. It's Jesus and the stars. It's Jesus and the manifesting. It's Jesus, uh-oh, it's Jesus and all these other things. And what happens, we create these idols, and they found themselves now in idol worship. And so because they allowed themselves to get separated from God, God allowed persecution and captivity to come. And so then when that happened, they cried out for God. And people think grace only exists in the New Testament. It's not true. Grace is there in the Old Testament as well because God could just did it another way, but he did it. So when he heard the cries of his people, he would raise up a deliverer. Okay, so here goes Moses or um, Gideon. You see it through all, throughout Judges, the different people that God would raise up uh, to deliver his people. So it still was an expression of his grace. And so they would walk into deliverance, and then what happened? They served God. But then they fall right back into idol worship. And then they'll do what? God save us, help us. Then what? He'll deliver. So it's this sin cycle. So what am I saying? Our works has shown it don't work. We need his grace. It is by grace we have been saved, not our works. Look at Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And I love this right here in verse 4. Here we are, just lost, dead, hopeless, just lost, no hope. But because of his great love for us, 
God who is rich in mercy. Look what he did. He took what was dead and he made us alive in Christ. See, the gospel is not about trying to get us turn bad people into good people. But it's to turn dead people into living people. Because outside of God, we were dead. We were hopeless. But he made us alive with Christ. We were dead in our sin. But God, we were living against him, but God, we were entangled by the trap of the devil, but God, there was no other way, but God, come on families, anybody excited for the but God moments where I was lost, but God, where I was sick, but God, why didn't see no other way, but God. When my son and daughter was far away from him, but God, come on, can we celebrate and praise God for the but God moments, the moments where he turned it around, the moments that the enemy meant for evil, but because of God and his grace, he turned it around for our good. It's by his grace we have been saved. I got to move on. Here's the second observation. We are empowered by grace. We are empowered by grace. 1 Corinthians 15.10 says this, but by the grace of God, there it is again, I am what I am. This is Paul talking. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I work harder than all of them. I like Paul. Did y'all catch that? Glenn, he threw a little shade right there. He says, no, I work harder than all (laughs) y'all. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So then he tried to clean it up a little bit. You know, I got to be a little humble. You know, when we say yes uh, to Jesus, when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, you know, the Spirit of God comes to live in us. And traditionally, you know, we say things like this, accept Jesus into your heart. But family, Scripture is clear. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. So it's not Jesus that we accept uh, into our heart, but it's the Holy Spirit. So it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit that now lives inside of us. And this is important to know because, well, you know, in, in I believe it's John 14 where Jesus tells the disciples, listen, it's best uh, that I go away for the one who's coming. It's best the helper, the, the advocate, uh, the counselor, um, the, 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 the paraclete, the one who walks alongside of us to come. And can you imagine they're thinking like, what do you mean? It's best that you go away. No, it's best that you're here. Especially Peter, he's like, listen, I can't stop cussing people out with you here. So how's it going to work when you go? I need you here. Cutting ears off it. And he, I don't think he meant the ear. I think he meant the head, but his aim was bad. So he's like, what do you mean it's best that I go? But Jesus is saying, no, it's, it's the the helper is coming. Because if not, now how would this work? All of us right now, along with what, two billion or whatever the number is of Christians in the world, will have to find a flight, head over to Israel, and be like, and get in that long line of trying to have a conversation with Jesus. But because of the Holy Spirit, he's available right now. He's available tomorrow. He's available at night. He's available in the middle of the night. So it's the Holy Spirit. 
And here, John 14, 26, but the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. Look what he'll do. He'll teach you all things. And he will help you remember everything that I have told you, which is important. The Great Commission, right? We've all been commissioned. So it's the Holy Spirit that will help us to remember these things that we've been taught and commissioned to do. You know, I like to liken it to you ever mowed the lawn? You had an old school lawnmower and you're just trying to push that thing. We used to have this hill in our first house and it was like it was a struggle trying to get up that hill. Man, but when we got a new one and Lamarcus, it had this knob on the side. And it, you push it forward, and that self-propel kicked in. Man, I was out there mowing that lawn. I was like, what you want? I saw my neighbor. I was like, I got you next, bro. This ain't nothing. This is easy. But that's what the Holy Spirit does. In and of ourselves, it's a struggle. Man, this is too much. This is difficult. I want to quit. But when we welcome the power of the Holy Spirit, there's an acceleration that happens. There's a push that happens. There's this thing that, oh, this is easier than I thought. I didn't think I could make it through this. Listen, it's not you, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit working in you and through you. I like to say it this way. Grace does the heavy lifting. Grace says, I got it. The grace, the Holy Spirit, you know, he gives what's called, uh, you know, spiritual gifts. Some call it like grace gifts. So the Holy Spirit, and we can't earn them, can't deserve the, the Spirit, uh, decides how they're dispensed. But the Spirit does, the grace does the heavy lifting. It's like sometimes Zoe, our daughter, she'll want to help us clean around the house. And I'll see Katie or either myself, you know, we got the vacuum cleaner and we're trying to vacuum. You know, you're trying to get it done. You're always trying to stay on schedule. We got to go. And she's like, Mommy, Daddy, I'll help. And you're like, come on. You know, because, you know, it's just easier. But you're like, okay. And she's kind of in your way. And she's helping you. And she's like, look, look what I did. Look how I did it. Boys. She called them her boys, her brothers. But she's like, boys, I, I, clean, I clean. I vacuum the house. And I think it's the same way with us. We're like, man, look what, look what we did. Holy Spirit, like, you're right. I, I, you know, you're right. But it's grace that does the heavy lifting. And let me say this. Grace enables us, but grace is not an enabler. There's a difference. So all this talk about grace, we have to be careful that we don't treat grace like a get-out-of-jail-free card, meaning I'll do whatever I want because I have grace. I'll get in a little bit of that. I'll sleep a little bit over here. I'll do a little bit of that. I'll do a little bit of this because at the end of the day, I got grace and he's rich in it and he's going to forgive me. That's the wrong theology and the wrong approach to grace. Because there's another scripture that says, listen, don't dismiss the severity of the Lord. So he's kind, but he's saying, don't play with me. Right? And so we got to understand that truth as well. So grace is not just this get out of jail free card that I'll do whatever I want. But here's what grace is. Grace is the empowerment to live in a God-honoring way with the Holy Spirit leading us. It is not the enablement to live in the direction that our flesh pulls us. That's not what grace is intended for. That's, that's a misuse of it. But grace is the empowerment to live in a way that honors God. But Let's keep it real. It's tough, isn't it? It is. It's okay. You don't have to shake your head. It is. It is. I'm shaking my head for all of us. 
But we're not alone. The Apostle Paul, Romans 7, look what he says. Paul says, for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, I keep doing this thing. You ever felt that? Like, Lord, I said I wasn't going to be here again. I said last year, this was my last time finding myself here, and now I'm back. I done spent the block. I'm back here again. I wasn't supposed to be here. What happened? I keep doing this thing. I keep watching that. I keep doing this. I, keep, I said I wasn't going to be here again. So I get it. I understand. But we got to back up to what Paul says earlier in Romans 5. God's law was not given so that all people could see how sinful, excuse me, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So it's not this thing that sin is too much for grace. Paul says, where sin abounds, grace abounds more. So here's what I'm saying. Keep trusting God. Keep the small daily habits of saying no and allowing his grace to get you to the place that you need to be. And you get practical with it. How? Pre-decide. Make a pre-decision. I'm going to set the parameters of how this situation is going to go based on what I'm deciding to do right now before I step into this moment. And what you're doing, you're setting yourself up little by little to know, to see eventually your decision changes. Your response changes. So when you get that text, you, you don't even open it up. Yep, you don't even open it up. When they say, hey, we 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 gonna do this this weekend. You trying? You saying no? But you have to pre-decide. I know when I say no, they gonna say this. So here's what I'm gonna say after I say this. I know they gonna say, "Oh, you trying to do that church stuff?" Now what you becoming? Okay, you becoming now. Well, won't you just become with us? No, no. You gotta pre-decide and make a decision then before the moment comes. So it's little by little, it's bit by bit, it's step by step. Grace is not an excuse, but it's an empowerment. Then we understand what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, I believe. I believe 2 Corinthians 12, where uh, the Lord provides a way of an escape, which is his grace. So even, even in these moments of temptation, these moments of trying not to do what we don't want to do, the Lord provides a way of an escape. Here's the last observation. We are to receive grace. We are to receive grace. Let's go back to Ephesians 2, verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, but it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. It is a gift. Danny, Bianca, y'all in here? Where you guys? Danny, you in here? Oh, y'all, will y'all join me? Y'all join me? They had no idea. They have no idea of this, and uh, they may leave the church after this. <laughs> but I will ask you, you know, to show grace because freely it's been given. <laughs> y'all, come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Y'all, give it up for them as they come. So this, this is an amazing couple. 
I mean, they crush it in a ama- Yeah, y'all give it up for them. Here, come on, y'all come close. Y'all come closer. Amazing couple. And they crush it in so many ways. In fact, Danny just had a birthday oh, recently. Come on, happy birthday. I was seeing, but it Yours was yesterday. Happy birthday. Come on. That was March 2nd. I'm March too. There's something about March. But they're amazing. They have an amazing uh, little boy. He's cool. He, he kind of didn't really want to dap me up this morning on the way in, but I understand it. it's, a little, it's a little early. But they're an amazing, amazing couple, and uh, we just wanted to shout that out, and then we just wanted to give you guys this. This is a gift card. Uh, it's the Char. So I love Char. They got good steak. I don't know if y'all been, but go to Char. Oh, perfect. So it's a date night on us. So there it is. Y'all give it up. Y'all give it up. Appreciate y'all. Y'all give it up for Danny and Bianca. So, you know, uh, they didn't know that we, I was going to do that. I mean, you see, I forgot to get the card. <laughs> so they didn't know we was going to do that. And uh, it's a gift. But there was nothing that they did. They just showed up today. They pulled up to the parking lot. They got out the car. Corbin didn't really want to dap me up, but it's all good, you know. <laughs> and they so graciously stepped up here, not knowing what was going to happen. There was nothing they did. But yet they stepped up here and they received a gift. Can I tell you, family? It's the same way that grace works. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. All you have to do is freely receive what has been freely given. We don't deserve the gift. We can't earn it. Can I tell you, we can't manipulate to gain the gift. It is free. All we have to do is receive. Matthew, come help me land this plane. So as we close today, let me ask this question. Then why do we work for what we only need to receive? Can you imagine if they would have been up here and said, well, hold on, hold on, Pastor, let me do this, let me do this, let me do that. Well, well hold on, let me, let, me, let me get this together, let me get this in order. And it's like, wait, 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 it's right here. No, 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 you, you don't have to do all of that. But it's the same thing, Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, where Jesus is extending this invitation of just come to me. That's all he's saying because he's a gentleman, right? He, people ask the question, well, if he wants us to serve him and to worship him, why did he just make us and program us to do it? Because that wouldn't be worship. That would be robotic. That wouldn't be a want to. That wouldn't be a desire. And so he just releases the invitation to come. And then as we respond with a yes, we receive and walk in his grace that all we have to do is receive because it's, it's a gift. But can I tell you, we can grow in grace. Second Peter 3.18. But grace, excuse me, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So we are saved by grace through faith. And we mature and are sanctified, which is a process of becoming like Jesus. So we are sanctified by grace alone. So we are saved by grace through faith. So grace is the initiator. But then it's our faith in Jesus that kind of seals this thing. And we are 
mature and are sanctified by grace alone. God's grace, here's what it does. It justifies us. It sanctifies us. And ultimately, it's his grace that will glorify us in heaven. Here's what I'm saying. It's grace that allows us to become like Christ. And growing in grace does not mean gaining more grace from God. Because it's not this thing, okay, God's grace has increased in my life. No, God's grace is infinite. What Peter is saying here, growing in grace is basically pointing to spiritual formation. Being consistent in prayer, consistent in work, consistent uh, in silence and solitude and hospitality and, and all the different practices of following the way of Jesus. In April after uh, Easter, we're going to begin a collection called Practice. Yes, we're going to talk about practice. But we're going to take time and we're going to look at the different practices that Jesus modeled out throughout Scripture. But we grow in grace by being attentive to his word, attentive to worship. And just a moment or, or daily act of dying daily to him. And this mindset that says, Lord, I don't know what's in front of me. I know you do. So I'm going to trust you. Good, bad, or indifferent. Because no matter what it is, you're good through it. I may not see it in the moment. I may not feel it in the moment. I may not want to hear that in the moment. But the grace of God... Come on, has anybody th been through some stuff? And you said that didn't feel good. It hurts right now. It hurts today. But I'm only able to, to be here and to worship, to lift my hands, to pray, to sing a song, to show up because of God's grace. Because if it was through my power, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't be here. That hurt would have taken me out. That pain, I would not have been able to overcome it. Or I wouldn't be in this process of overcoming it. It's only by his grace. So family, this week one, is, it's important for us to get this understanding. Because we got to know, we're inviting you. But what are we inviting you to? So we got to make sure we have this understanding that it's grace that has saved us. Us, all of us who are the sinners. And Philip Yancey, he says this, there was nothing we can do to make God love us more, and there was nothing we can do to make God love us less. Just sit on that for a moment. He's telling us it's not your works, but it's his love. It's his grace. Come on, let's pray.